brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hello and welcome to Backflips and Nerds podcast episode 9. The British take on baseball with terrible podcast games and even worse predictions. Uh, my name's Tom Pringle and I'm joined today by John McGee. Say hello, John. Hello, how are you? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Um, bit of a troublesome week with a daughter last week, meaning lack of sleep, but um, a night in the mess keeps me away from her so I can actually do some reading and some podcasting, which is good. How about you? I'm all right. I'm I'm a little bit full of cold, but you know, I, I'm wrapped up in a blanket and I'm being a good little soldier. So we'll we'll get through it. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Okay then. So we'll start then uh, with the obvious news about the World Series being set. So we now have our uh, ever suffering Cubs versus the ever suffering Cleveland. Um, we can have a look back at our terrible predictions that were made. So I think I said that the Giants were going to do it over the Red Sox with four, uh, four to two. What did you say, John? Uh, I think I said the Rangers were going to beat the Nationals. So that was even worse. I mean, we, we were we were both in Sweep City in the ALDS. Um, not 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 great. Um, but you know, we had our reasons. None of which came to fruition. No, absolutely. none of us had got the Andrew Miller factor. I don't think. Yeah, and that's—I mean—that's a crazy thing with Andrew Miller. The fact that um, he's been used so much. And I remember chatting with, um, in fact, it was Stephen Edwards who we were hoping to get on this evening, but unfortunately, he's um, he's feeling unwell as well. It seems to be the cold that's going around the whole of the UK at the moment. But I was chatting with him, and he, and he said, you know, they, they're going to break Andrew Miller, and, and teams shouldn't be doing this. I said, but you know, what's the, what's the price to pay for victory? Um, if you're willing to do it, then you know your, your team's going to get rings. Rings are better than broken pitches. Yeah, that's absolutely true, I th- and I think that that that's the point precisely is that they're they're kind of breaking him. And if they get through this and they get the World Series, then then who cares, frankly? And um, wouldn't it be absolutely uh, on point for Chris Antonetti to then trade 
Andrew Miller at the very top of his market value this uh, this summer, this, sorry, this winter uh, to get to get some market value. Although it is, of course, a very good market for relievers. Uh, Kenley Jansen, of course, um, he he pitched quite a lot too for the Dodgers, who unfortunately were were vanquished by the uh, the come again Cubs. Um, but you know, I guess they had they had nothing to lose. He's he's a free agent. He's off at the end of the season, and uh, will likely be rolling in cash come next January anyway. So, uh, yeah, their their strategy made a lot more sense than Miller. But then, if you've got the man who wins the ALCS MVP as a reliever, then you, you're going to ride him, aren't you? Oh yeah, exactly. Um, I think you make a good point about relievers. I mean, this is the what second, maybe third. World Series on the bounce where relievers have been absolutely key in getting the teams there and, and potentially going further on and actually winning the whole thing. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a great shout about Miller being traded in the off-season. Um, I can't imagine Cleveland would unless they decide to do a bit of a Padres and hide some medical files and try and trade him there and then. Um, so what what do we reckon then about the World Series? How, how do we think it's going to go? What was your prediction? I can't remember what you put out on um, Twitter, actually. Um, I think I said that the Cubs were going to win in five. And I think my reasons for that are, are obviously not Jason Hayward's uh, post-season batting average of not, uh, off 0.071. Um, <laughs> in fact, everything bar that. I think the pitching is going to win it for me, the starting pitching. Um, because good as Miller is, good as Cody Allen is, and indeed good as Ryan Merritt was in the uh, deciding game against the Toronto Blue Jays, um, they can't pitch enough in order to make up the gap in those starting rotations, given the Indians' uh, problems with Salazar and with Carrasco. When you've got a rotation of John Lester, Jake Arrieta, Kyle Hendricks and John Lackey pitching number four off the block, um, that really is quite something. And unfortunately... Uh, much as I'm loath to see it because I'm a, a huge Tito Franco owner and an even bigger Mike Napoli fan, I think it's going to be the Cubs. I think that the uh, the silly goat curse and the Steve Bartman curse are going to be uh, expunged. How about you? Um, yeah, I, I'm kind of leaning towards the Cubs as well. And I think for very similar reasons you were saying, I mean, the Indian starting pitching was very much patched together, wasn't it? I can't remember the name of the um, the the guy who came in and was only making his second start and ended up having Ryan Merritt. Ryan Merritt, yeah, he ended up having an absolute blinder as well. And and I think it was Frank Kona said um, he has to start. We have to get him going. And if he gets injured in any way, we haven't got anyone else. He said we've literally got nobody to start. So I think the fact they've bumbled into the the not well, that's the wrong word. I shouldn't say bumbled into the World Series, but their their pitching has been so reliant on um, the likes of Bauer and Kluber and especially Andrew Miller as well. Um, but I think it's going to be one step too far for the Indians, but I'm more than happy for them to prove me wrong. Um, I'm not one of these folks that believes that, you know, the, the, the Cubs bandwagon fans don't deserve it and all of this. I mean, there's been some long suffering fans and, and as fans of the Red Sox who went through 2003 and then 2004, um, you can imagine the, the, the adulation and relief they could potentially go through in terms of the Cubs to to, to win it all and actually take the title. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think I, the other thing with go on, mate, sorry, go on. I was going to say, I think the other thing with the Indians is it is it's kind of overlooked when people talk about the starting pitching is is actually the lineup of the Cubs is 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 a lot stronger, um, almost one through nine to be to be brutally honest. Um, just sort of going through it in my head. Um, 
I can't think of many players on the Indians who I'd take over their respective players uh, on the Cubs team. Mm. You could probably make an argument over Jason Kipnis and Francisco Lindor over Javi Baez and Addison Russell, but it's precisely that. It's an argument. Um, again, uh, Napoli love notwithstanding, you're taking Anthony Rizzo. Carlos Santana's had a great series. Uh, Jose Ramirez had a great series, but you're going to take Chris Bryant, definitely. Um it's just problematic all over the field. It's it's going to be a huge upset, I think, if the Cubs lose this. Uh, for me, it was uh, it was either them losing to the Dodgers uh, or, or or winning the World Series, um, regardless of who that opponent would be. Uh, I think the Blue Jays would have had a better chance, but um, you know, of course, that discounts the fact that the Indians uh, uh, are uh, are riding the crest of a wave. That's a point, actually. Do you think that that sort of week and a half that the Indians have had without a game might might come back to bite them when they were sort of surging at the time? Um, I'm not a firm believer in momentum and I'm not a firm believer in having too much of a break. I think, if anything, if you're going to have a break, it's going to it's going to get you more settled. It's going to get you more relaxed. There's then there's the argument that you know it could make you more nervous. It could be helping letting you think about things even more. But I'm I'm not a firm believer in the fact that you've had a long break that you can just um, forget how to play baseball and all of a sudden you're going to be terrible. Um, the the addition to the um, Cubs as well to their lineup. Don't forget Carl Schwarber who's just recently been added to the roster as well for the post the World Series. So just another huge bat to add to that lineup. Yeah, that seemed a bit dicey to me. Two two uh, Arizona Fall League games. Um, sort of like a rehab stint, the shortest rehab stint ever seen. But, you know, I guess if they think he's ready, he's ready. And there's there's no denying the guy's talent. Well, I'd heard today that he's been cleared to hit, but he hasn't been cleared to play in the field. So there's no chance of him being anything but a DH. Um, they've dropped mm. a position player again, whose name I've forgotten, um, which then puts them down to 11 pitchers. Um, sorry, they've dropped a pitcher, which then puts them down to 11 pitchers um, and added Schwarber. So it's kind of win-win for them if he's if he is going to only be a dh then you can't really knock it i mean it's it's four four potential games that he's going to be in true and what 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 about you then what what's your prediction mine was the cubs in five how about you um i think it's it's tough isn't it because i think cleveland are going to be strong at home they're going to have the crowd really behind them um but i think you can't as you said, you can't really look beyond the Cubs lineup and their starting pitching. Um, do you know what? I'm, <laughs> I'm going to put my neck out there. I'm going to say they're going to sweep it. I think the Cubs are going to do it in four. Right, blimey. Uh, well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll, we won't be long. Give it, give it a week and we'll know either way whether we were, we were both either wrong or right. Yeah, exactly. And as I said at the start of the show, um, we are terrible at predictions. So that that is going to be um, clearly wrong. It's going to go to game seven and the Indians will probably win it. <laughs> yeah and it'll be Mike Clevenger who takes the win yeah <laughs> so um, right we've done our serious predictions we need to make a silly prediction what do you, what do you think your silly prediction might be then uh, well I you, you said did I have any silly predictions I'm not sure whether I've got any predictions but I was gonna I was gonna give you a, a, an over under on uh, innings pitched by Andrew Miller in the World Series and uh, my my over under, uh, I'm going to set it at 13 and a half. 30, 30 or 13? Oh, that might be quite high, actually. You've pitched 22 already. Let's say nine and a half. Nine and a half innings. Nine and a half. Can you pitch more or less? I'm going to, well, considering I've said that it's going to be a 4 0 sweep, um, but I'm going to say more. I think they're going to ride him. You're going to take the over? Yeah. 
So over on nine and a half for Andrew Miller. Um, I think I'd have taken the over on that too. 13 and a half was too high, but yeah, I'd probably take over on nine and a half. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I think maybe uh, 11 and a half might have tempted me to go under just. And I've got another one for you. I want it. Uh, over under on bases stolen on John Lester, uh, and he may <laughs> make as many as two starts. Uh, I'm going to go four and a half. I want to go under. You're going to go under? Yeah, right. I think I really do think that similar to the Dodgers, um, I think they'll just show. I don't think they'll actually go for it. I know Cleveland are the the, the highest um, base selling team in MLB. I think it is, or it might just be the American League. Uh, I think it's the American League. I think the Brewers, bizarrely. Oh yes, that was it. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, so I, I'm going to go under because I think the Dodgers did it where they were just dancing around first base and not actually going for it, um, and I think. David Ross and his mighty arm might actually stop them from uh, going for it. <laughs> He's going to um, get inside their head. So, any any silly predictions from you? I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't have anything particularly amusing there. Unless they bring Steve Bartman out to pitch the first pitch or or, or a goat. Um, which, which I did could, see. I think was, uh, was it was it Kluber who said that he was a next door neighbour of Steve Bartram and, and was in school with him or something. And he said, he, I think it's Jason Kipnis. Oh, sorry. Just, yes. Kipnis. You like and he, he said that he wants him to come back and, and uh, pitch the uh, only pitch. That'd be interesting. I'd love to see that. Um, but I think my prediction is going to be that Jason, Jason Hayward is going to be the world series MVP. Oh, I, gonna, <laughs> I like, like that. He's going to be incredible. He's going to be stealing bases, hitting homers, and doing some amazing uh, defensive work. And I think he's just going to completely change everyone's opinion. Well, there we go. I have to say that that has been one of my favourite things of the of the postseason today has been the pictures of uh, Jason Haywood in the ski mask, big, big grin painted across his face covered in champagne with that stat line underneath it. It's, it's made me chuckle every time. I felt really sorry for him because the guy's, the guy's class and talent is absolutely undeniable. Yeah. <laughs> Nevertheless, it's still it's still funny to see that when it's just writ large across the screen. Well, yeah. I hope you're right. Um, uh... I'd love to see it. It'd just be hilarious. I follow quite a lot of um, Cardinals fans on Twitter and they have been destroying mm. him the whole season, especially leading up to the All-Star break. He was absolutely terrible. And they've been absolutely destroying him and being so happy all of a sudden, obviously, that they didn't sign him. But yeah, could you imagine mm. if he then goes on to be the World Series MVP? Hits the hits the walk-off home run uh, to seal it all. I would love that. I, I would love that. I mean, I, you can't you, you can't deny anything that makes Cardinals fans angry. Yeah. Uh, anything that's going to make their their smiles turn upside down is a good thing by my by my book. So um, yeah, I'm rooting for Jason Hayward alongside you. I think yeah, that'd be good. Um, I've written down other baseball news. I think there's only one real news, and as a Mike Hazen lover, um, is the news that Mike Hazen has gone across to the um, Diamondbacks. Um, yeah, with the with the big. Um, thought being that Lavello is going to go across and be the manager there. But, um, I mean, we've been having a brief email conversation about Red Sox future and things like that. I mean, do you think there's going to be... Coming talk- soon to a blog near you. Yes, it is. Um, do you think there's going to be a, almost a bit of a raid of the Red Sox to trying to find some talent and, and maybe a bit of swapping going on? I think there might be. So there was uh, there was some reports coming out last night that um, 
Amiel Sorde, who's the uh, Vice President of International and Amateur Scouting and Play Development. He has an offer on the table to be uh, Mike Hazen's replacement in Boston and an equivalent offer from the Arizona Diamondbacks to be their, their assistant GM. They are, all the, albeit different titles, essentially the same job. And uh, from all of the Red Sox writers and from Nick Piacoro, who uh, write, who covers the Arizona Diamondbacks beat in Phoenix, um, the mood music is that Sorde is going to join Arizona. He's going to go and join Mike Hazen rather than staying around with uh, David Dombrowski. I think you write about Lovolo. Uh, if that doesn't happen... Um, I'll I'll eat eggs and, and I don't do that. Um, yeah, I think you're talking more about players, though, right? You think there's going to be some yeah. player swaps? I'm thinking because of his um, because of his work with the minor leagues and especially showing um, Dave Dombrowski how how the organisation runs and how player moves are, are, are completed, etc. Not as in you know how to log into his computer, but he's showing <laughs> how the organisation works in general. I think he- I, I've just got an image of Dave Dombrowski <laughs> just like just bashing the key, like mashing the keyboard now. And okay. to be honest, that is something I could well definitely Frank Wren. How does it work? <laughs> well, yeah, he's running going, no, 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 not that button. Don't press that. Never, ever press that button. Yeah, that, that button sends Andrew Benintendi to Tampa Bay. How do, which one? <laughs> Big red one. Um, yeah, so uh, I've completely lost that train there. What were we talking about? Yeah, I so do- players going across to Arizona. I think that might happen. Um, yeah. Who's your top three then? Which three players do you think Mike Hazen is going to steal from the Boston Red Sox in uh, in return for, I don't know, any of... Paul Goldschmidt, Patrick Corbin, or someone else, well, AJ Pollock. I think um, the starting pitcher Kopech, who's, who's throwing sort of hundred mile an hour on a regular basis, um, he'll be a, a top target. I don't think it's going to be anyone like Moncada or anyone like that. I think he's mm-hmm. he's going to leave the sort of top top ones, but he's going to start looking for sort of almost like sleeper picks. He's going to try and find the good ones further down. Uh, mm. So I think Kopech behind the radar. I think maybe even Jason Groom as well, who we drafted uh, this year. I think he might try mm. to make a move for him. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I had Mauricio Dubon on my list. Yeah. Um, yeah, that wouldn't surprise me, actually. Uh, I think the other... I think, uh, obviously, Moncada and I think Devers are, are, are probably going to stick. But, yeah, that sort of... And I know what you mean about... Is it Kopech or is it Kopech? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think he's going to stay. I, just given that um, Espinosa went to San Diego, I, I think Dombrowski's not going to let rid of Kopech. I think that Kopech's development was a big, a big reason behind Espinosa going, or, or at least as far as I've read, getting rid of two of them in the space of a year when your starting pitching pipeline is, it's like a dribble. Yeah, and the Reds aren't really known for it, are they at all? They're not really known for developing folks. So I think um, just in Masterson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's probably it, isn't it? Yeah, um, since John Lester, it's 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 Claydro and uh, Justin Masterson. Oh, don't remind me about John Lester. I'm, I have to say, I'm fairly bored on Twitter of people saying how they wish that we'd sign John Lester instead of David Price, etc. Hindsight's a wonderful, wonderful thing, but the Red Sox weren't going to do it anyway. Before this turns into a Red Sox only podcast, which there is a good opportunity to do right here. Um, I kind of want to take the, the the trend. I had another before we move on. I had a couple of other. I had a couple of other other baseball news. I was going to talk about Mike Hazen, but you you stole my thunder. Unsurprisingly, 
Um, there was a couple of things. What one, one is um, what is World Series related and, uh, and 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 rather amusing. The other one, I just wanted to get your take on it because I thought it was rather strange. Um, I clocked this afternoon that um, the Sporting News, um, the website and uh, uh, periodical, have uh, had some awards out this week for various people in MLB um, managers, um, rookies, and comeback players of the year. They've all gone to um, people who you might guess. They're voted for by um, contemporaries, by players and managers. So Corey Seager, Dave Roberts um, on the uh, NL side and Michael Fulmer won Rookie of the Year on uh, the AL side. The Comeback Player of the Year, so Mark Trumbo won in the AL and we could have a discussion about whether that was right, but we needn't. I would have have gone free in Desmond, but Trumbo's a fairly decent pick too. On the NL side, and this one I thought was really strange, um, was Jose Fernandez. Mm. And it just sort of stopped me in my tracks slightly. I didn't know what whether you'd seen that and whether you had any take on it. I mean, he obviously had a great comeback year. He was brilliant, but he was really good when he came back last year too. Mm. And I just sort of found it in slightly, str- not poor taste, but slightly strange taste that he'd won that award. I sort of, I see the argument for him winning the Cy Young, but that one just seemed a bit of an odd one. I don't know about you. Yeah, I... I have to say, I saw that tweet as well when it came out and I looked at it and it did make me go, hmm, I wasn't quite sure how to take it. And I think you're right. It's not, it's not poor taste. Um, I, d- I don't think it'd ever be classed as poor taste, but it, it is a strange one, especially as a comeback player of the year. It's an odd one. I can kind of, I, although I thought it at the time, I don't agree with it now, but looking back, I kind of see why people wanted to win the Cy Young. Um, mm. But I think there needs to be something else, maybe, maybe an award created or something. Um, but yeah, that isn't. It felt like tokenism to me. Yeah, very much. So. Almost uh, trying to. Uh, I don't want to say it, but trying to jump on a bandwagon, which isn't great. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I get your point. That that is a bit strange. That it, it's tokenism. It's it's trying to jump on it and trying to make a a few clicks go to your website. Yeah. Well. Yeah, it might be that. I would. Ho- I, I don't. I. I don't know if that was the motivation. I would hope not. But nevertheless, that surely will be a byproduct of it. Anyway, so that was one. And the the other thing I just wanted to touch on was uh, the the very exciting and pleasing news that the uh, World Series uh, umpire crew is going to include none other than celebrity clown Joe West. Yes, aren't we all glad to yeah. see that man get his dues on the world stage? <laughs> What a way! What a way to bring kids into the game with a bit of comedy clowning around behind the plate from a man the size of a house. Well done, Rob Manfred. I salute you. I think that's fantastic. Why not? Why not have a bit more controversy into it? Just add even more. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I love it. I love it. I know a lot of people have been critical, but you know, uh, as long as the ump show isn't affecting my team, I'm, I'm a big fan. I want to watch it every day. I want to see stupid ejections. I want to see bad calls. And I want to see uh, the benches clearing. That, that's what we're here for. Let's be honest. Um, I, I recall a, a friend of mine um, going on about the phrase that's often used by football commentators when there's a streaker. Nobody wants to see that. And let's be honest, we all want to see that. It's hilarious. Yeah. We all want to see a stupid man get rugby tackled by a steward. We all want to see Joe West getting in the face of Tito Francona. We all want to see the benches clear. We all want to see a rook. That's what we're here for. 
definitely. I thought you were being sarcastic at first, but now I understand you actually do want to see it. Yeah, I do, definitely. Um, and like you said, the, the good thing is, it's not my team, so I love it. Um, I loved his stare down with Bumgarner, I think it was this year. I thought that was hilarious. Everyone else was gobbing off saying it was terrible and you shouldn't be doing that, you should be looking away. But screw it, why not? If Bumgarner's going to stare at him, why not stare back? Yeah, I, I would definitely not stare down Madison Bumgarner because <laughs> I am a wimp and he is a very scary man. But I would like to say that I would because cool. he is um, a dick. Have you got any more? Uh, no, I think that's it. I think that's it for me. Cool. I wanted to go on a different trend now and just sort of edge away from the World Series because there's going to be umpteen amount of podcasts out there doing previews and breakdowns and everything. Um, and I wanted to start talking about um, the recent news with Josh Brown in the NFL. Uh, kicker for the New York, New York Giants, he's 37. He's been in the league since 2003, so he's been in there quite a long time. Um, he was arrested for domestic violence last year, I believe, and was given a one-game suspension, which uh, a lot of fans didn't really see was um, the, the, the right justice handed out. But it's turned out he's got detailed journals um, emitting domestic violence in them, whether it be physical, um, um, mental or or otherwise and there was also 20 other incidents that were related to domestic violence um, and the, the big chat was he was likely never to play again I mean with him being a 37 year old kicker for the New York Giants then yeah he probably won't play again um, and there was it then made me think about Ray Rice and the fact that um, obviously the video came out with with his work that he did where he was um, beating his wife in the lift and then dragging her out of the lift as well. And it, there was a lot of chat. He would never play again. A few teams, I believe, were scoping and looking, but they decided not to do it. Um, and it looks like that's the final nail for him. He, he's done. He's finished. Um, and it then got me thinking about baseball and the, the two that we've had. So the fact that we've had Jose Reyes and Aroldis Chapman. Um, Jose Reyes had uh, an incident in Hawaii um, I'll have to keep saying allegedly now because there's nothing that's come of it um, it's all been dropped by the sounds of it because he wasn't cooperating with prosecutors and neither did his wife um, and the Rockies were very quick to drop him after his suspension um, they, they didn't want that to do with their team whatsoever but the Mets thing uh, swept him up and then I think he batted something like 265 maybe 270 and, and took them to the wild was part of the team that went to the wildcard game um, and then of the big obvious case uh, of the guys on the man on a regular basis at the moment is our oldest Chapman who allegedly grabbed his girlfriend by the throat um, there were shots fired in a garage um, he denies hurting her at all um, uh, there was there was no arrest made because of inconsistencies in the stories and lack of physical evidence of injuries and no one ended up being charged at all um, and, and for me it was more of a case of Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. 
Learn more at cbp.gov careers. You know, what, what level of domestic violence or what level of skill do you have to have to then still be signed up to go onto another team? Um, you, you, John, know of a few cases. I'm not a big football fan as in soccer back in the UK. Um, but Lee Evans and uh, Chet Evans. <laughs> Lee Evans, the, the, the uh, yeah. laugh knockabout <laughs> comedian. <laughs> I don't oh. think he's been done for domestic violence. I think you. I think you're talking about Chad Evans. Yeah, I've got my two names mixed up on my screen. And Lee Hughes. I thought I was going quite well then. It was all quite serious. But anyway, Lee Hughes. <laughs> Let's try again. Lee Hughes and Chad Evans. Yeah, these were. It's 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 important to point out that neither of those were domestic violence yeah. cases. Um, so Lee Hughes was uh, a hit and run incident where um, uh, an elderly couple were killed by Lee Hughes, who was uh, over the limit when driving. Uh, he served five years in prison. And Chad Evans, which has uh, been a notorious uh, case in UK media over the last couple of years, who uh, allegedly uh, sexually assaulted a girl who was uh, drunk in a hotel room. He recently had his conviction quashed um, for um, reason legal reasons that it's probably uh, a good idea for us not to go into uh, in this case, but is, is back playing with Chesterfield after several attempts at rehabilitation with various clubs and several clubs who'd shown an interest in signing him. But um, uh, the sort of the trial by public comment and media um, uh, meant that they eventually decided against taking on that public PR burden. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting, it's, it's an interesting set and there are some interesting parallels. And I think, uh, I think the first thing to dwell on is, why why the NFL players have have gone by the wayside, um, whereas in baseball uh, with Reyes and Chapman uh, and in football um, with Lee Hughes and with Chet Evans, albeit in slightly different circumstances, have these guys um, been uh, rehabilitated? Um, it seems a strange one, particularly given uh, the fact that in the first instance, the uh, punishments handed out by the NFL have been rather lighter. They've been somewhat of a slap on the wrist, essentially. Mm. So I think Josh Brown missed one game. Yeah. Was that right? And Ray Rice was four, if I, if I recall correctly. But initially, um, whereas, two. Sorry? Initially, I think it was two, and then it was extended two. four when the video was released. Um, whereas <laughs> Reyes was 60 games and Chapman was 30. The circumstances obviously being different in each case and particular to each case. And obviously 30 and 60 is, is, you know, roughly equivalent perhaps to one or two games because of the the volume. Um, But yeah, it it seems strange that there's a sort of different level of public arbitration, if you will, in these different sports. Did you, did you think that too? Yeah. I mean, for, for me, it's always, it's always the thought of how toxic is this person? How toxic is this person's, um, reputation, maybe in the locker room as well, or the clubhouse, compared to his skill. I mean, that's what that's what I was trying to work out. What level do you get to in terms of severity of crime or skill level? What level do you get to where you're not going to play again? What do you have to do to not play again? Um, does your skill level need to be as low as a 37-year-old kicker, or does it need to be um, as high as one of the best closers in baseball to play again? I mean... Jose Reyes was pretty average at 265, 270. He wasn't, you know, lights out. It wasn't brilliant. Um, he was, he's been poor for the last couple of years as well too, hasn't he? 
Um, so I don't, I don't know. That's that's the kind of thing I wanted to to attack. I don't want to do like a draft board and go right, Mike Trout. Would you still draft him if he was in domestic violence? Yeah, yeah, I, I get your point. Just, just uh, forgive me. I'm, I, as you know, I'm not, I'm not a massive NFL fan, although I follow it a bit. Ray, Ray Rice was a really good player, right? I'm not wrong there. He was really good. Um, he was on the downturn though. That was the thing, and that's why it was mm-hmm. sort of touch and go whether someone would take him again and initially the video was outside the lift so all you saw was him drag it i say all you saw yeah. what you saw was him dragging his um, wife out of the lift and um, by her hair and then the chat was oh what happened inside the lift and he was very much oh nothing it was fine we had a bit of an argument we well, don't drag somebody out of the lift by their hair if you've had a bit of an argument um, and then when the the video inside the lift came out that was it he was done he was never gonna get signed again mm-hmm. So that- I, think, I think the thing the, the thing is I think your your graph, if you will, like how good and how how good are uh, in terms of talent and how bad in terms of uh, action um, is 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 the right one. But I think there's lots of other factors in there as well. It, um, you're sort of looking at it from a, an economics point of view. Um, what are the what are the other uh, factors that um, come into a decision-making process. Um, so the Reyes one, I think, is quite interesting because I think far more interesting than the Chapman one where <clears throat> I think um, some of the uh, decisions are, are quite difficult to justify. Um, with Reyes, I think they're difficult to justify because of the aspects that you've you've pointed out. I, he, he's not very good. He's, he's a slightly above replacement level third baseman. But also... Um, think about who's making the decision. This is a, a club that has a history of making rather strange decisions. Um, so they're maybe going to be more likely to make a decision like this one than perhaps you or I or the man on the street. They, they signed Tim Tebow after all. There he is with his cursory appearance in every podcast. Uh, and also, at the time that the Mets signed Jose Reyes, they were in a really bad spot in terms of injuries. They literally were struggling to get nine players out on the field who weren't, you know, 18 years old in diapers. Uh, they wanted some production. There wasn't an awful lot available on the open market. Uh, they probably couldn't get something as good as Jose Reyes in terms of commodity in a trade for the price that they would have to pay. Um, and I guess all of those factors played a role in their decision-making. And also I think that the, although the noise in New York as a market would be loud, it's such a big market and there's so much sport and there's so much public content, there's so much news going on in New York that it would be a furore for a while before being drowned out. Mm. You know, if this was, I don't know, uh, the Minnesota Twins signing Jose Reyes, I could expect that it would be the number one story in Minnesota and syndicated nationally for um, a long, long time. How is Reyes going to play? How's he going to act? Is he going to be contrite? Whereas in New York, some of that squall that surrounds it probably wasn't quite so pronounced. Um, So yeah, I think you're right. Uh, There is definitely a a sort of scale. How good does this individual need to be and how bad does their behavior need to be? Mm. Are they contrite and so on? But I think there are other things that... Too. I think um, just thinking about it, Aldous Chapman, the fact that the Yankees got him first, they, I think they played an absolute blinder in terms of trade value, the way they did it, because the news came out, the Dodgers dropped the deal immediately with the Reds, um, and the Yankees just swept in with such a cheap offer to get get him off the books of the, the Reds, which the Reds wanted at that point. They just didn't want him anywhere near the club. 
Um, and then the Yankees clearly weren't going to go to the World Series. They, they knew that. They, it wasn't going to happen. But they, they took this guy on with his reputation. And like you say, with it being a, a market not, like New York, there's going to be fraud to begin with, but it will suddenly drown out because there's so much more going on there that's going to take the news away. Um, and the deal they got back for him um, from the Cubs is just incredible, which has made them one of the big shouts for the future, the amount they've, they've dragged in through Andrew Miller and Aroldis uh, Chapman. Um, but I don't know. I just I, I kind of I kind of want that graph. I, I kind of want that um, almost where the lines cross: severity of crime versus skill level. This is we can sign this bloke. <laughs> I think I don't think it's that easy. I think as I, I think the the Chapman one is 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 another good example. If you break it down, and you know if you're if you're Brian Cashman, you're you're trying to place a a monetary or a potential value on that risk that you take on taking on Chapman, you recognise that Cincinnati have probably got their calculations wrong. Now, let's be honest, they should have traded Chapman last season, but that's beside the point. This came out, his market bottomed out. Andrew Friedman obviously felt that he wasn't comfortable taking on the responsibility and the burden. Actually, I can sort of see why in LA, because that's a that's a, a tittle-tattle Hollywood uh, town where that sort of thing might might stick and might blow up. Cashman, as you said, he, he played a, a brilliant trader's hand. He bought low and sold high. Um, you know, it's 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 sort of bizarre that nobody else um, was willing to take that risk. He just played a played an absolute blinder from a uh, from a sort of blind point of view. He just saw that this was a a commodity for him to take advantage of and and hedge. And there's something. Um, Something that sort of sticks in the craw about that ever so slightly. You, you can you can lord um, uh, the outcome without really enjoying the means by which he he came about it. I think at the time uh, it felt like a a, a really a, a really difficult thing to accept that a, a club of that standing and that moral compass, particularly you know this is. the remember the New York Yankees, the club that won't let facial hair on the field. It's the Yankees of Joe DiMaggio, of Yogi Berra, of some of the great gentlemen of, of the game. For them to be playing uh, playing and hedging uh, uh, a commodity, let's call Chapman a commodity in this instance, as they had, particularly when it was tain- you know Chapman as an individual was so tainted, I found that slightly... Uh, slightly sickening, really, but nevertheless, you can you can still admire the the process that they went through. In terms of um, answering your question, I think it's really difficult. I I don't think you can do that without looking at other factors. I mean, the Ray Rice thing is a complete outlier, really. Mm. Um, the fact that he was such a good player and and was just dropped completely. Maybe it's it's the nature of the crimes as well, too, right? So with uh, Reyes, I don't know the, the 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 particulars of Reyes, but uh, maybe they were a bit more of your your commoner garden DV. I mean, I, I feel slightly uh, slightly bad for using that phrase, but you know what I mean, right? Whereas with Rice, it was you know very sensationalist. It was caught on video. With Chapman, the whole weirdness with the guns sort of somehow made that feel worse. Yeah. Um, so maybe maybe that comes into it too. Whereas Josh Brown, you said that. You know, it was it was sort of brushed under the carpet until this extra evidence came out, which showed what a prolonged, uh, prolonged attack this was on on his wife and how it had been a sort of psychological warfare over a, a long period of time. Which he even he even went so far as to document himself. So maybe that's part of it too. It's yeah. it's the severity of what they've done, as you said, in terms of your your bar graph. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, 
there's also the, the whole public pressure side of things as well. That um, I believe Ted Evans was it, um, was it Jess Ennis who said she wanted a name taken off the stand if Sheffield United, Sheffield Wednesday signed him. Um, yeah, it was Sheffield United. So he played for Sheffield United at the yeah. time that um, this first came to light. He'd been with Sheffield United for a while. Yeah. Uh, and I think Jess Ennis said that she wanted her name removed um, if he wasn't, you know, expunged from the club, like thrown out. Um, and he wasn't. He was subsequently when he was convicted um, uh, the first time around. Uh, yeah, that that's correct. So yeah, and when you've got people of that sort of profile uh, and that standing, you know, in the UK, she's sort of a sainted individual, yeah. Olympic gold medalist and golden girl. Um, yeah, you can sort of see why why people jumped on that bandwagon. Mm. Um, I think that's it. It depends on the the sort of trial by public uh, public order, doesn't it? With Josh Brown, as you said, being a kicker, no one's really particularly interested yet. Looking, reading all about it today and and previous days, just reading into it even more, he he seems like a real horrible individual. And obviously, there are horrible individuals doing this every day to women all over the world. Um, mm. And it's something that's going on all the time. It's just you know we're focusing on this because it's sport and and that's what we do. Um, but the, yeah, I just, I always, always have a little wry smile when, when people are very quick to jump on teams for, for things like, um, the Yankees taking on a role as Chapman. People were very, very quick to jump on the Yankees. Um, there was quite a few Yankees fans that are following Twitter that were as well. They were quick to jump on them for how much they disliked the move. Yet others were just saying, he's going to win his games. I'm not interested. And they were quite happy to just take that on and get on with it. Um, very much separating sport from, from their personal life. Um, do you, I mean, how would you feel if the Red Sox took on Chapman at the time or even Chapman in the future? It's a, that's a really difficult question. When you, when you suggested that we talk about this, that was the first thing that sprung to my mind was, would I want Chapman or Jose Reyes or a, another player who a uh, similar allegation comes out about in the future to to play um, for my team. And I, and I think I would definitely be doing this weighing up in my head of the circumstances. Now, with Chapman, thinking purely subjectively and thinking about me, I think the lack of contrition is a huge factor, personally. Mm. I don't think I'd want him uh, near a club that I followed. I'd be very disappointed if it happened. I guess the other thing to say is that these things, these things take time, you know, time sort of wound uh, heals the wounds. And at some, at some point, I think I, you know, provided that an individual, our oldest Chapman or, or Josh Brown or whoever else showed a degree of contrition and a willingness to, to try and um, uh, do something about their own personal situation, not like pay a lip service to it. Um, I think that would sort of heal the wounds. I think, but I think it would take a long, long time in a situation like this one, or, or if it was a, you know, albeit, uh, it, you know, if, if my my football team, Carlisle United, had signed Chet Evans a year ago, I think I would have had, I would have found that really, really difficult to to wrap my head around, and probably wouldn't have wanted to be associated with them for for a while. Um, I don't know because it, it's a difficult line, isn't it? There's been. Um, some good coverage of that. You know, where is the line? Should we be kicking these guys out, or does that does that actually make things worse for their wives, for the individuals involved? Does it make them more angry? Is 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 it right in uh, fair and just and broadly liberal society that we give people like Josh Brown or Aldous Chapman and Jose Reyes 
an opportunity to atone for what they've done, be that through their exploits on the field, through community programs, through mm. uh, work with domestic violence charities, for example. I don't know. Um, it seems like that has to be part of the solution rather than just kicking people to the curb without giving them the help that they perhaps need. I don't know what you thought about that. Yeah, I mean, that um, you sent me a um, Deadspin article, which will uh, we'll fire out onto the um, Batflips and Nerds account so everyone else can read it. Um, but that, that really made a big point about the fact that a lot of the victims, one of their big concerns was, please don't kick them out of the sport that they're in. Um, you know, it's our livelihood. This is how we live. This is where the money comes from. Um, and I think it's the, yeah, it's the Chapman one where um, the, the, the girlfriend or now wife, I think she is, um, was saying that, you know, I, d- I don't want to do this. It's only once. He's absolutely fine. Don't worry about it. It's only this one time that it's happened. Um, and there's another one from a, a lady called Annie Apple, who's the um, mother of Eli Apple, who's a rookie for the um, New York Giants NFL team. Um, and she said that, I, I mean, this one article that you read on, uh, I think it's on Sports Illustrated, she just goes through each stage that she was um, domestically uh, abused. And each time she keeps going back to the man, she's saying, oh, no, he's better now, he's better now. And that seems to be the regular thing that goes on. Um, and especially if you've got the pull of all that money that the person's earning and it's your it's your life, it's your house, it's what your child's future is going to be. Um, it's a very difficult one to then put your hand up and say, yeah, I'm not happy with this. But people obviously have to. Um, and ha- how the sports are going uh, to try and change that and and get people rehabilitated rather than just kick them out i do not know it's such a difficult one um but if if they're that class is that toxic for what they've done and teams won't sign them then there's nothing the sport can do no i think you're absolutely right i think there was a couple of parts of that that article the dead spin one that i sent to you which was by diana moscovitz Mm. that really sort of hit home um forgive me i'm just sort of here we are i'm just trying to find the right place so um, there was some commentary from a couple of NF- NFL wives, they're quoted as, from the Washington Post after um, after the Ray Rice incident, basically saying that um, if if players ended up getting thrown out, um, this would make things less safe for um, the women of the NFL, so the wives of NFL players, and and one of the players. Uh, the ladies interviewed went so far as to say is that you know the next thing you will hear is of a wife murdered before you hear another one come forward so saying you know if you if you put it so that it makes it particularly difficult by ruining people's careers um then you know this is what where you're ultimately going to end up which I think is maybe slightly sensationalist, but given that it's coming from a, a a lady, a person who was was maybe in that sort of situation, maybe there's a grain of truth to it. But yeah, it's really really hard to to, to get across it, isn't it? Um, uh, and it's it's far too uh, difficult a subject to to have a, a completely reductive outcome. You know, I I I take your point about wanting to see this as a as a graph. You know, where, how good does a person need to be, and how bad do they have to have behaved in order for someone to take them on? But you can't do that without the context. You you can't do that without the recognition of of what the individuals um, involved feel about the situation and um, what it means to them. And and I thought that. Um, that Diana Moscovitz article did a really good job, particularly in the case of, of Chapman, of, of breaking down the particular circumstances surrounding his partner and, and, and 
and what she was, I mean, she, she sort of called the police calling for help not to have him arrested. I mean, one might argue that the two were, 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 were bound together, but at the same time, I can, you, you, you have to try and put yourself in her shoes and recognize that she was uh, looking at things in a, in a, in a broader, in a broader sense than perhaps it's, it's it's more difficult for us just looking at the the bare facts trying to be objective or trying to project our own personal morals onto something and mm. it's important that we don't do that in circumstances like this um maybe we should behave a little bit more like brian cashman and be you know cold and calculating about the whole situation i'm um, sad as that makes me feel about um you know humanity sports and uh everything else in, in, in even considering it yeah, I think when you're when you're in charge of a business or you're running a business, you have to be that cold and calculated, don't you? Can this person help us get to the end goal? Yes. Then we take him on. We do it. We don't. We ignore everything on the outside. We just get on with it. We let him address the media. We let him make a statement, wherever it may be. But then we're just going to get on with it. We're not going to talk about it again. Um, yeah, the article from Deadspin. We'll put that into the account. It's a really, really good article um, and a good spot for himself finding that one. Um, I'll also add the uh, Annie Applegh article, which is also a really good read. That's from SI. Um, we'll stop that there then. We'll try and lighten the mood a little bit. Um, have we got any other business uh, to talk about in terms of baseball or anything else, John? Um, I just wanted to, to flag one one last thing uh, to sort of take us out on a, on a, uh, on a sort of high note, really. Uh, and that's just to flag the performance today of um, Great Britain baseball and New York Mets centre fielder Champ Stewart in the Arizona Fall League, who's he's absolutely raking. Um, he he's doing a, a lot better than than our our good friend, whose name I'm not going to mention again. Um, I know he's hit uh, at least a couple of home runs. Um, he's got a few RBIs. I haven't got all of his stats up in front of me, but he's certainly getting a lot of mentions in dispatches by some of the scouts who are out there looking uh, for the next big thing over the course of the next month or so. So it'll be be nice to see uh, if he... So he's obviously carried his form over from uh, Brooklyn, where he played very well for GB. Uh, it'd be nice to see if he carries that over next year, either uh, at the Binghamton Mets or uh, out in Las Vegas with the Area 51s if he gets a promotion. Yeah, um, obviously any chance to mention GB baseball is always good for this podcast, um, but also good to hear from uh, Champ as well. Was he your guy in our um, uh, Arizona Fall League heroes or whatever we called it in the end? He wasn't, but you know, I think all of the uh, all of the GB guys are by virtue of us having an allegiance to them and them having an allegiance to us, uh, automatically co-opted into our uh, our league of instructional leaguers. Um, so yeah, champs, champs certainly uh, um, showing everybody else up at the moment in that in that collection, as far as I can tell. Do you, you know how your your guys getting on? I can't remember his name. This is terrible. I'm not having a good night. Uh, I can't remember his name either. Uh, <laughs> Ranielmi Alberto. He's called Ranielmi Alberto. Yeah. So no, I don't. Um, I assume he's still he's still getting lots of instruction because he's converting from the outfield to a pitcher. So he might not even have thrown off the bump yet. Um, let's just leave it there. Um, brilliant. Well, I think that's all. So um, thanks very much, John. Thanks for uh, for joining me. Um, we will hopefully be back after the World Series. Uh, and we can talk. We will. We will. We definitely will. So that's the other thing that I need to mention. So uh, we will have another special guest with us uh, next week. Um, I may as well tell you who it is. It's going to be uh, Jason Holowaty. Jason Holowaty 
uh, works for MLB Europe. He is the manager of all of their all things development. So he runs all of their um, talent development cap camps. He runs the pipelines from uh, all of the local baseball and softball associations through to the MLB uh, setup. And also is he responsible for developing uh, all sorts of things for fans in the Europe, in Africa and in the Middle East. Um, so uh, I caught up with Jason last week and he's going to come on and talk to us all about all of those things. Um, he's going to tell us all about how he found Max Kepler. Uh, he didn't really, but he's going to talk a bit about Max Kepler and, and other bits and pieces like that. So um, that should be a really good chat. We're going to record that next week and look forward to that. Excellent. Um, yeah, you can find us uh, at Batflips and Nerds on Twitter. Um, you can find the blog, batflipsandnerds.wordpress.com. You can find me at Pedora's Face. And John, where can people find you? Um, at Epuvontail. We still need to attack that. Maybe we need to do it in the off-season to work out why you picked that name. Yeah. Um, but anyway, thanks very much for joining us and goodbye. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.